of the Lord today. Amen. 
and we won't be quiet. We welcome you today to our service. Would you turn to somebody and say, it is truly going to be a great day. A great day. A great day. It is truly going to be a great day. And it is a joy to have with us my dear, wonderful friends from Louisville, Kentucky, Jimmy and Elizabeth Ordaños, and that's Angie's mom and dad. And we just appreciate them. Let's give them a warm Cap City welcome. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Fernanda. And thank you, Frederica. Is that right? That's not, is that right? What's your youngest daughter's name? Monica, I called you Freddie. I'm sorry. Forgive me. But anyway, we are so glad you're here. We'd like to welcome all those that are online today. And it's a very special day. Uh, we have a special speaker with us today, uh, Reverend Jonathan Barker and his wife. We'll introduce them a little later. But it is going to be a great day. Now, on the third song, if you'd like to come and pray, uh, some of us will meet you here and we'll pray with you. But God wants to do something extraordinary, something extraordinary today. Let's just pray. Father, as we enter into your presence, on Friday night, beginning at 6 o'clock, and ending on Saturday night at 6 o'clock, there were people in this place praying for 24 hours and prayers were lifted. Now, Lord, I pray that you will expand and inspire and increase our faith to believe that, Lord, the things that we prayed will take place this day. We love you. We honor. We praise you in Jesus' name. Now, let's worship the Lord with all of our hearts and if you can't sing, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And if you can't do either, then just clap or just enjoy it. But let God bless your heart today. We are thrilled you're here. God bless you. Well, good morning, Cap City. We want to share that new song with you this morning. It's called Second Wind. Um, and aren't you glad that when we can't do things alone, we have Jesus we have a second wind to carry us through whatever we're going through. So sing this song with us. I think you're going to like it. And when I'm all alone and fear becomes my home, I won't worry because one word can change it all. And with a single breath, you drew back the waves. You opened heaven. And led me through the sea You opened heaven And led me through the sea Come to life in your presence Come to life in your spirit Come to life in me And I breathe in your presence Breathe it out your spirit Spoken life to 
to the bones. That same power is still alive in me. That same power is still alive in me. Dead things come to life in your presence. Come to life in your spirit. Come to life in me. And I Thought your silence meant it was over. The sound of heaven prepared to roar. The graves defeated, enemies are fleeing, and Jesus is breathing my second wind. And they thought your silence meant it was over. The sound of heaven prepared to roar And the graves defeated, enemies are fleeing And Jesus is reading my second wind And they thought your silence meant it was over And the sound of heaven prepared to roar And the graves defeated Enemies are fleeing, and Jesus is reading my second wind. And Jesus is reading my second wind. Dead things come to life in your presence, come to life in your spirit, come to life through me. And I breathing in your presence. Breathing out your spirit, breathing life through me. Won't be shy. No, it's not over. The sound of heaven will hear it roar. And the graves defeated, enemies are fleeing. And Jesus is breathing my second wind. Jesus is breathing. My second wave, Jesus is marine, my second wave.
dear God, we're just so grateful uh, that you do call us out on the waters. But God, you fill us with your spirit. You give us a second wind. You give us joy. You give us grace. You give us mercy, faith, and courage, God, that no matter where you would call us to, God, that, that we would be willing to follow. We're so we're thankful for your move in our, in our house, in this place this morning, and for everything that you're doing in our church. We ask that you would be with Pastor Jonathan as he brings us a special message and open our hearts that be willing to receive this call. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Capital City Church. Please check out our bulletin and fill out the connection card inside with your contact information, prayer requests, and praises. And then drop it in the offering as ushers are going by. Easter is coming up quickly. Please join us in two weeks for our Easter service and be sure to invite your family and your friends. We will also be having a sunrise service at 7.30 a.m followed by a breakfast at 8.30, and then service at 10.30. Thank you for supporting the ministers of Cap City Church. You can give online or by check or cash. See the back of the bulletin for more details. May God bless you, and thank you for joining us at Capital City Church. Please welcome special guest, Pastor Jonathan Barker. Well, I am not Pastor Jonathan Barker, but he is coming. We are so thrilled today to have Pastor Jonathan Barker, and he grew up, he and his wife Allison grew up here in the Columbus area, familiar with uh, any number uh, of our people. His father, Tom Barker, pastored the Brown Road uh, Community Church for many years, and uh, and and. Jonathan went to Ohio Christian University, received a, yeah, that's right, we got the whole group over here, yeah, give him a real, give him a real clap, okay, Ohio Christian University. Received his credentials with the Churches of Christ and Christian Union and then went to Indiana and uh, currently holds credentials with the Church of the Nazarene, but we have learned to love Pastor Jonathan. We have prayed and sought God's mind. And I want to tell you what, he is one of the finest young men that I've met for many, many years. And I'd like to ask Allison, his wife, Allison, would you stand seated over there by Connie? Let's give her a Cap City welcome. And I want you to listen for God's word today. And so let's give a Cap City welcome to Pastor Jonathan Barker. Hey, pretty cool to be with you here this morning. Uh, really enjoyed the time of worship. Uh, sense God's presence in this place. And by the way, that's not some mystical thing that floats around on the walls or ceilings, right? We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit only reigns as you're acknowledging that, as you're emptying yourself and creating an environment for worship within your own spirit. 
making the Holy Spirit welcome. So thanks for doing that this morning. Um, we're, going to, we're going to take our text today from Luke chapter 14, if you want to find your way there. And uh, the title of the message is, is Answering the Call. I don't think we talk enough about being called. Um, you have a calling on your life. Maybe it's something you've already stepped into. Maybe it's something you've ignored. Maybe it's something you've ran from. Maybe it's something you've answered and backtracked in a little bit. But I don't think we talk about the fact that we, I don't know if you know this, there's a leadership deficit in the church today. And I believe God's still calling pastors. He's calling youth pastors. He's calling missionaries. He's calling people to do all sorts of things for, for him. And I believe every single one of you are included in that call. So we're going to talk a little bit about this, uh, that this morning. We'll be in Luke 14. We'll be in some various verses. We'll jump in in verse 16 here in just a second. But in my previous life, before I went into full-time ministry, um, I was a, a manager in a, in a larger corporation, and um, from time to time, um, we had a company job board, and from time to time, a management position would make itself known on the job board, and different individuals that worked for me would come to me and say, hey, I saw this job opened in another state, in another city, and I'd, lo I'd love to move there. I'd love to go there, and uh, I was wondering if you'd put in a good word for me. And so, you know, I, I would talk them through that process, and, and, and this happened on more than one occasion, but on one particular occasion, I had an employee, they were a good employee, they went on vacation to Florida for two weeks, and when they came back, they said, I would do anything, I would do anything to live in Florida. I just wish there was some way I could get transferred down there or I could get a job. And I said, well, do you mean it? Said, yeah, I really do. I, I, I really want to move to Florida. I said, well, okay. And we got on the job board and there was a management position open in Florida. So not only was there an opportunity for this employee to transfer to Florida, but they were going to receive more pay. They were going to receive stock options. They were going to get to move. They were going to have a higher position. And so I said, well, I need to know if you're serious, because if I make this call, we managers, as we talk, we trust each other. And if I tell them that you're right for this job, they're going to interview, they're going to take you. And so I said, yeah, I want the job. So he, he did a phone interview with, uh, with the, the hiring manager there in Florida, and they talked for about a half an hour, and he came out of the office where he was taking the call, and he came to me. I said, well, how'd it go? He goes, it went great. I said, yeah. He said, yeah, he offered me the job. I said, wow, that's awesome. He goes, yeah, he said it'd be more money. He said, I, I'd run my own plant. And I said, well, that's exactly what you wanted. And he goes, yeah, but he said he wants me to start next week. Well, I, I said, yeah, so you're going to go? And he said, well, I, I can't do I, I have a wife and I, I, I have kids and they have to finish the school year. And I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I said, but there's a vacancy. And they have to fill that position. I'll tell you the rest of the story here in just a little bit. Let's look at Luke 14, verse 16. Jesus is teaching here in parables, and he tells the story of a dinner party. Luke 14, Jesus says, A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I have married a wife and for that reason I cannot come. Jump down to verse 26. If anyone comes to me 
and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You know, too often we talk about carrying that cross and we have this picture of a burden we have to carry. He was talking to a group of individuals who would walk through a city and see people hanging crucified on a cross. Do we connect with that today? He was saying we have to die to ourselves. Let me pray for us uh, this morning. Father, we thank you today that you have not parsed any words, that you've made it very clear about what you expect from us. We know it's a high calling. We know it's a costly calling. But God, we know it's a glorious calling. We know it's the only place we're going to find freedom and purpose and meaning and peace in this life. And if we don't know that, help us to recognize that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to clarify a few different ideas from this text because Jesus talked to an agricultural audience, right? We talk a lot about seed and farmers and plants and all that kind of stuff um, in the New Testament. Um, but just, just kind of work with me here. We've got land and oxen and we've got a wife that he's talking about and he uses as example. What if this morning we just said that that land that the individual couldn't leave represented ideas that we have considered necessarily normal in our cultural context, right? Things that most of us have or we would, wouldn't consider weird if anyone did own them. We've got oxen and that could represent our personal desires, maybe being excused as necessities or priorities, things that we say that we need, but perhaps it's just a little bit of what we actually want. And then we have the wife that's mentioned, or the spouse, right? Because God calls women too, for sure. This is a place where we might use family as an excuse, right? Did you know sometimes you use your family as an excuse to, to not serve God? And I'm not saying family shouldn't be a priority. I make my family a priority. But we use family as an excuse rather than managing those relationships in a healthy fashion. For example, we might miss Sunday morning to do something with our family when we ignored them all week to pursue our own interests and hobbies. Okay? Right? So in each case, none of the ideas that Jesus mentions are evil. Jesus just had to be clear that the call is something that is in the here and the now. Did you know that's the essence of the Holy Spirit? Daily living in the here and the now. And that takes precedence, and it causes all those other ideas to be seen in their rightful place. When we make God's call the most important thing, all those other things fall into place. But Jesus, in this story, he uses the word hate. Did you see that? Right? Everybody go, well, amen, I hate my mom, I hate my wife, this is great. This is just Jesus told me to do this, I'm a good Christian. So what we have in scripture sometimes is we have comparative ideas that help us understand that we're supposed to be more emphatic about something. And, and so Jesus wasn't tell you, telling you to hate your family. Here's what he's saying. He, he's not telling you to hate your, your, your wife or your children in the way that a child hates Brussels sprouts or the way that I hate green beans, please take note, um, or, or the way that any of us hates waiting for the warm weather in Ohio. Why on earth do we all still live here? No, hate here is being used as a comparison word. And in other words, what Jesus was saying is that your love for me will be so great, it will almost seem like you hate other people. Let me, let me break that down in a way that's a little bit more applicable and understandable for us this morning. He's saying that one who truly answers the call that God has on their life will experience a tension between those that 
are close to you, who will see your commitment to God's call as something that makes you disloyal to them, or they may even perceive it as you think less of them because they have to take a back seat to your focus on Christ. Did you know that when you answer the call, that there are relationships and people that will take a back seat to that call today? Let me give you a few teaching points for us to work through this morning about what Jesus is trying to teach us here. The, the first one is that we create a picture of God's will for our life that includes conditions. We want God to show us his will through the filter of our plans, which will always be distorted by our personal goals and ambitions. We place non-negotiables in front of God, and then we expect him to work around us. All the while, we may not realize that one of our healthy goals is the very thing that is keeping God from moving the way that he wants to move in our lives. Let me try to drive this home a little bit and, and, and make it even more applicable than we have. Um, I, 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 you know, I hate to call somebody out and use their name and, and upset anybody. So has anybody in here ever heard of Rave Damsey? Rave Damsey, right? I won't, I won't. It, it's, that's not his real name. You'll have to figure it out. I know it's kind of tough there. But some of you have studied his stuff. He has some good financial management principles. Um, somebody just got it. That's good. <laughs> I know somebody just got it. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I've seen the guy in person. He's a hoot. Uh, we've used his principles at different places in our life. But sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks outside of a budget or a plan, or a whiteboard, and we have to be ready to pivot. A lot of us create goals that are healthy ideas, such as time with family, responsibly handling finances, furthering education, or any other good thing. And that's what we see these individuals doing in Luke 14. None of them said they had to go off and sin, did they? No, God has no issue with us being responsible or even following scriptural principles in every area of our life. His frustration with us comes when our healthy goals get in the way of the call. It has been my experience that when we make his calling on our life the central thing, that everything else will fall into place. But, re but rather or not, rather, whether or not, excuse me, but whether or not we like to admit it, we aren't so okay with trusting that process to work. Second thought this morning is we question God's call when it questions our priorities. It might question your ministry in the church, the one that you do that you that you think makes a difference. And the pastor comes to you and says, "Hey, I think we're going to have to go a different way." Well, I don't know. That's my ministry. What your whose ministry? It's all about God's will. It's all about His kingdom. We question God's will when it questions our priorities. None of, us says, none of us is going to admit to that out loud, right? None of us is going to say we put our priorities in front of God's call in our life. But whether or, whether or not we like to admit that to be the case, our actions and our plans say otherwise. Just like our three contestants in the story today, we say things like, surely God doesn't want me to sacrifice time with my family. Surely God does not want me to have financial struggles. Surely God doesn't want me to give up on my five or 10 or 20 year plan. Jesus knew and he knows that since the beginning of time, that one of humanity's greatest issues was the need to know what only God knew. Did you know that started right from the beginning? It started right in the Garden of Eden. Satan came up to Eve and said, hey, check out this fruit. 
you eat this fruit and you'll know what only God knows. That's, I, I'm going to say that idea was much more attractive than whatever that fruit looked like that day. And by the way, it would have never been a fruit for me. He would have had to throw up some chocolate, right? Like, I've never been tempted by fruit in my life. But we, I'm sure we all realize this. And, and, and by the way, this is the stem of all the anxiety in your life. No, no human has the capacity to manage knowing the future. You don't have the capacity to manage knowing the future. You think about some of the guys in the Old Testament that God showed the future to. They were all weeping, miserable people because they saw the evil that was coming. Tomorrow is too much to handle until you've arrived there with the daily grace that God gives you to make it through. Have you ever thought about it that way? You're borrowing anxiety from tomorrow when you haven't arrived to receive the grace that God's got to get you through that. And he promises that. Um, one of my favorite chapters, and this is going to sound weird, um, I'm, I'm sure it, it's up there with all of yours too, is Deuteronomy 33. <laughs> Deuteronomy 33, that big one for anybody, that was your favorite, your life verse or anything like that. You go through and you just see God blessing the tribes of Israel. In Deuteronomy 33, he gets the tribe of Asher, and he says this, he says, as your days are, so shall your strength be. As your days are, so shall your strength be. Why do we keep trying to face the anxiety and challenges of tomorrow without the grace that he has promised to provide when we get there? Let me just, this morning, what day has he not got you through? If you're sitting here this morning, right, we talk about testifying, we talk about getting through a hard time, but did you know that every single one of you by being here is a testimony to God's grace? Because every single one of you has made it through every single day of this life that you've lived. If God's grace has brought you through, would you just praise him this morning? Would you just put your hands together if he's worthy of the praise? He's brought you through. He's brought you through. And he's going to keep bringing you through. He's going to do it again and again and again. But God's okay with our planning. He, Jesus teaches us not just to count the cost, but also to know what, to put a plan in place. He is okay with our planning. What he's not okay with is our possessiveness of those plans, right? Up at, up at where I currently pastor, we're, we're preaching this morning on Abraham and Isaac, and I'm sure Abraham thought that when Isaac was born that that was the end of the plan, right? And God said, I just got to check to make sure that you're not holding on too closely to, of control or possession of those plans. Our need to know the details proves our lack of trusting God to handle those details. Complete surrender to his control is ultimately the spiritual issue that confronts us. Again, this is, is not really a spiritual issue most of us want to deal with because we like being in control. I mean, I, I, I've never been around somebody like, man, I just really love being out of control. I just love when somebody, I love giving my wife the remote. It just makes me so happy. I love when she turns off the football game. I just, glory to God. Some of you are afraid to fly because you're not the one driving. Isn't that right? And every driver on, uh, you're the, and every driver on the road is bad except you. I mean, you never drive bad. <laughs> but because we like being in control, Gang, I'm only, 30, I'm only 39 years old, or maybe I'm as old as 39, depending on who you are. But the older I get, 
the more God seems to simplify his word to me. By the way, I study it. You got to do that. It doesn't, it doesn't get easier if you don't read it and study it and meditate on it. Just get over being in control. Just get over it. The sooner you do, the happier you'll be, the more peace you'll be. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of places where I'm, quote, the boss. I have a six-year-old named Ben. They're, you know, well, I can't tell you why they're not with us today, but um, I have a six-year-old named Ben, and he loves to say, I'll be working on my life. He's an encourager. I have a six-year-old who's got the blessing of encouragement. He'll, he'll see me with my iPad, and he goes, Dad, you're doing work, aren't you? I said, yeah, I'm working. He goes, you do really good work, Dad. I was like, thanks, buddy. I know he doesn't know, and I still don't care. It still feels good. I still love it. He goes, are you working for church, Daddy? I go, yeah, I'm working for church. He goes, you're the boss, aren't you? <laughs> I said, well, we won't tell anybody, buddy, but yeah, I kind of am. But I'll tell you what, sometimes being in control, being the boss, being lead, gets kind of exhausting. I, I don't mind having some help. I don't mind doing things with other people. It's much more. We're better together. It's much more to do things in unity and to, to raise up and, and go forward as an army. We were never supposed to do this thing on our own. But because we like being in control... We continue in our priorities because we have not made his call the most important thing. If we stay busy enough, church, we can quiet the call with the noise of our agendas. We're way too busy. We, we're way too many. If you, didn't, if you didn't know this, there's a thing. Some of you might get an alert. Anybody, anybody by chance, anybody, seriously, show of hands. I mean, it's not to embarrass you. Anybody... If you've got an iPhone, I don't know. If you're not saved and you have one of those other phones, I don't know what that, how those work. Um, but anybody between uh, the beginning of the morning and coming in today, did you get an alert on your phone that told you how much screen time you used? Anybody get that? Right? I didn't know if I was the only one on Sunday morning. And, you know, like, I'm either really proud of myself or I'm like, oh, my goodness. I am a horrible, wretched person. Five hours and 47 minutes of screen time a day. What am I doing with my life? You can go in and it'll break it down. It'll show you how many of those minutes and hours were on Instagram of you taking selfies and on Facebook receiving gossip from the rest of the church but never spreading it. <laughs> you stay connected to those things to quiet the call, to quiet the truth. Busyness is it, busyness. And good and even sometimes spiritual things let us just justify our lack of sacrifice for the call. But how often do we sacrifice God's perfect will for good, yet lesser things? Christians, we have allowed busyness to rule the day. Best I can tell, busyness looks a lot like something the Bible calls worldliness. Getting caught up with society's agendas and objectives and activities all to the neglect of walking with God. Be sure of this this morning. If the enemy can't slow you down, be sure he will try to speed you up. Right? If he can't slow you down, he'll try to speed you up. All the while, we forget. And maybe you didn't know this, so let me just help you with it today. God wants us to freely receive from him what we are striving for. What if I told you that if you just sat still and waited on God, that all of the things that you were working for and pushing for would just come to you? Yeah. Well, I'm telling you that today. Amen. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to continue to push and believe that, if, if, if that you can maybe pull yourself up by your own proverbial bootstraps, that that good Protestant work ethic will handle everything? 
Hey, if you've been paying attention to what's going on, your security could go away overnight. Your money could go away overnight. Your family could go away overnight. But the peace of God, we're told by Scripture, that provides a peace that none of us can even comprehend, will fill our hearts with joy and gladness when we wait upon him. He calls us to rest in him with the goodness of his blessings and authentic fellowship. I'm going to, I, you guys probably aren't used to this, I'm sure none of the other preachers you ever listened to do this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down a rabbit hole for just a couple minutes. Imagine what kind of food would have been served at a dinner that Jesus hosted. Let's do this this morning, as best I can hear you. Somebody just yell out your favorite food. Green beans. You don't, don't, make sure he's gone before, I don't even know who he is, make sure he's gone before you do whatever else you're going to do tonight. I heard pizza, somebody else, pizza, chicken, pasta, what does anybody eat dessert? Like, chocolate cheesecake, chocolate cheese, chocolate and cheesecake together, chocolate cheesecake, that's a good one. Amen, sweet potatoes, okay, that's all right, a little bit of sweet potatoes, Brussels sprouts, absolutely not. Whatever you wanted was at that dinner. When Jesus hosted that dinner, whatever you wanted was on the table. The guy that was driving the oxen that he was going to butcher to make, Jesus had filet mignon there ready to go. Right? They, they turned down a dinner with the master of the universe. This is what we're missing out on, church, when we continually have to do things our way and, and do things and we have to stay in control and we have to bicker and complain about the way other people are doing ministry. So when Jesus called and said, he didn't, now, you guys have done, and, and I'm a pastor and, and you guys get this now, me and Allison, when we, when we went to our, the church that we're at now, when we... Um, the first person that invited us over to dinner, we went. She was a very sweet lady, and she wanted to have us over her house, and she had such a beautiful house and so many cool, neat things going on, and she served us dinner. And it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't good. And after the fact, I'd say, I ate dinner there, and people go, oh, we would have warned you. We would have warned you what was going to happen. Like, we would have... But you know what, I, I'm not making light of her hospitality. I'm not saying she, you know, but when so, there's people that might call you and ask you to come in for dinner, go, I don't know. but we're talking about your best friend, picking up the phone and say, hey, I know how much you love this food, and, and I'm preparing the best of that food tonight, and I want you to come over. I'm too busy. Jesus isn't trying to trick you into some call. He's trying to offer you the greatest opportunity of a lifetime. So what happens? What happens when we pass on dinner? Luke 14, we skipped over verses 21 and 23 so we could come back to it. This, and the slave came back and reported this to the master, that none would come. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, go out once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the slave said, master, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, go into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. Please, folks in the church, don't get upset about somebody that's been coming for three months that wants to run a ministry that you ignored for 20 years. Right? Because he's calling them. And remember what we talked about in that story earlier? We're going to go back to that story from the beginning. There's a vacancy. 
There's a vacancy. That's the question. Well, I got to be careful what I talk about, right? Like, probably if anybody in Medina County is watching this service, they've probably figured it out. So we'll have to do what we can with that. Uh, unless you guys have a lot of friends up there. But um, there's a vacancy. And what happens? What happens today is that God's plan for us will be fulfilled by others. I remember the first time that I read this text and realized that and how much it broke my heart. Because there have been people in the church over the years that have believed that maybe when somebody was doing something that they didn't like, that they could try to slow it down. That they could try to get in the way. That they could manipulate things and maybe quiet the the person or whatever it was. You are not capable. You are not capable of slowing down God's plan. You can't do it. You're not big enough, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough. He'll just use somebody else. God's plan will be fulfilled by others. I don't know about that, Jonathan. I don't know about your view of will of God. Wasn't Moses supposed to lead them into the promised land? Wasn't he? He did something and, and God specifically said, you're not going to get to do that. I'm going to use someone else. The employee that came to me and wanted that job a couple weeks later, he said, wow, they filled that job. And I said, they had to. There was a vacancy. There was a need. And we get things backwards. You know why? We view God's will and his calling on our life from a very e- egocentric stand- standpoint. If you haven't realized that, the world is training you to be egocentric. That's why you have a website, a personal website called Facebook, where you post a picture of your face for everyone to look at. you got to go home and p- take your picture down and put up Jesus' picture, Right? We look at God's will from a very egocentric perspective, where we somehow think that his plan revolves around us. We are blessed. We should be humbled to be considered part of the master plan that God has for his kingdom. God's kingdom is going to move forward. The church of Jesus Christ will not and cannot be stopped. No power, nor principality, nor nothing in this world, no spiritual high place will ever be able to take down the kingdom work of God. But he can do it somewhere else other than Cap City. We don't know everything. He can do it somewhere else than outside of your household. He can do it with another person. He can do it however he wants to because that's who he is and he's sovereign over all things. And until we understand ourselves in a right perspective that God is in control and he's calling us to participate in this kingdom work, we'll never truly understand how important it is that we answer. And so I'm going to ask you to answer the call today. The team's coming. They're on their way up. And I wonder this morning, have you heard an invitation to answer the call of God on your life? Maybe not just this morning, but ever. And here would be my response to that or follow-up. Are we even really sure that we want to hear it? Because here's what I, and I was, I'm a pastor's kid and I was raised in a Christian school and went to Bible college and all those other things. But I still, still spend quiet time with the creator of the universe. And I'm sure that if you want to hear his voice... It's available. You aren't missing his call. You're missing something else. You're not surrendering something in your life. You're not offering forgiveness or reconciliation in your life. But the call is there if you want to hear it. So then the real question becomes, when are you going to answer? I love that, I love that you take this time to pray there during that third song. Because oftentimes I've felt it's, it's always challenging as a pastor to preach a message. And you preach a message like... 
and, and pastor, hey, hey, could we just, I'm going to do this right now. You, you all hear me preaching today, but do you have any idea what David and Connie have done to serve your church over the last few months? Would you put your hands together for them? Man, what a great couple. How faithful they've been to keep things moving here. It's, it's hard, hard work to serve in an interim. I've done it plenty of times, and it's, it's, it's tough work. So so thankful for their faithfulness to answer the call to do that. You know, they've answered a call to do that for the last six or seven months. But I love that prayer time because, David, I preached some of the worst messages I've ever preached in my life, and the altars have been full. I said, God, what were you doing? Oh, they need to pray about something else. They weren't listening to you. But they've given you an opportunity to come and say, hey, I need prayer for this and prayer for that. And you've got to do that. I'm going to ask you to stand right now and we're going to pray about one thing. We're going to pray about responding to the call. You're in an interim period. You're going to call a pastor. But let me make sure that you hear this loud and clear. There's not a pastor in the world that you can call that's some type of magician or going to be able to turn things around on his own. It's going to take... 150 or 200 individuals answering the call of God on their life. Maybe you needed to hear that today, that you answering your call matters. It's just not about who stands behind this table or who sings on this stage or who serves in what ministry. God put you where you are to minister to the people that you're around in a way that only you can do it. And I don't care if it's coaching a kid's soccer team or a restaurant that you work at or an office you go into or a Zoom call that you're sitting on that we have to deal with in this wretched pan, hopefully, endemic. God has a call on your life. David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He knew the plans that he had for you while you were still in your mother's wombs, and they haven't changed. He's calling you. And they're going to sing Oceans here. What a great song for the message that we've preached today. Spirit, lead me where my faith is without borders. Did you know there is no big and little faith? There is either having faith in God or not having faith in God. So do you trust him that if you step out into the waters, that if you answer that call that he has on your life, that he is going to work out every single little detail in ways that you would have never imagined that he could do it. I could testify for hours on end about how he's done it in my life and he's done it in your life too. I'm going to pray for you. And then while they sing, you can stand and worship. You can pray at your seat. But I would encourage you, if you're going to take a next step and answer the call, that the first step would be one of, of a physical coming to this altar and now in God's, kneeling before God and saying, God, I want to answer the call that you have on my life. Father, we pray that we've been faithful to your word this morning. We thank you for the call that doesn't leave us purposeless, God. It doesn't leave us empty, wondering, as so many are lost in sin. God, I know, I know this group of people. I know so many of them. I know that they're faithful Christians. I know they answered the call to salvation to be entirely sanctified. I know they stepped out and took a ministry they didn't think they could handle. But God, somewhere along the way, the enemy beat them up. He told them they couldn't do it anymore. They discouraged them. God, I pray that you would help them to step back into that call and do it over and over and over again as long as there is breath in their lungs. God, help us to be obedient in this time of response. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.
we've heard God's message. Answer the call. With our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, would there be anyone here that just with an upraised hand would say, Pastor David, I know that God has called me, but I'm just either not sure of what it is or I just need some help to walk there. But just pray for me. Would you put your hand up and put it down? We're not going to embarrass you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands being lifted all over this place. Now, Father, thank you today that you have loved us so much and that you know us enough and that you can empower us enough to answer your call. Lord, we pray now for every person that is here. Thank you for every individual. And Lord, thank you for this wonderful, godly, great message that we heard about hearing and answering God's call. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're going to come to you now for our morning offering. And for those of you that are watching online, thank you so much for spending a part of your Sunday with us. And may the Lord honor and bless you. There will be a screen that will show you how you may give online to the ministries of Cap City Church. So as the ushers come now to wait upon you for the morning offering, this is the offering, not, uh, don't put the other ballot in. Uh, this is the offering, and then we will come back. And while the offering is taken, let's have the worship team sing that one more time as they sing. So, Father, bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. So as the offering is given, this is your offering. We will do the ballot in just a few moments. <laughs> 